0: Hi, I'm Dr. Melva, your board certified radiation oncologist and serial entrepreneur and investor. Welcome to the 1% code podcast. I help top income earners create multiple streams of income to support the career they love or the one they want to love again. Learn more on the 1% code podcast. Today, I'm so excited to share with you a recent episode that I did on the Lunch and Learn podcast with Dr. Barry Pierre, a Black doctor, father, and educator, helping to empower you to take control of your health one disease at a time. Listen in as Dr. Barry Pierre and I discuss different business ventures that I participated in even before I was a medical student. We also talk about the private group, the 1% Code Collective, and the upcoming masterclass that's planned for the end of the month.
1: All right. Welcome to another episode of Medicine Mondays. I am your truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite, board-certified internist, host of Medicine Mondays, host of the Power of Better Health series. Make sure you check that out on our early YouTube channel. Uh, This week, we have a special guest for you guys. Again, I, I like to hype up all of my guests, right? So I think they're all special, but I think this one is even more telling one because it is, I don't want to say a chip off my old block, right? But like she has a lot of the traits that I love, uh, not only as a physician, but really just as the entrepreneur. And I think, especially in our world in healthcare, we do not talk about the the healthcare entrepreneurs enough. And I want to make sure. First of all, shout out to Dr. Nidarko, doctor outside of boxes. a good friend of mine good friend of the show um and you know he's my motivation to kind of really kind of highlight other professionals especially physician professionals especially medical moguls as well kind of doing their thing first of all dr Melva, thank you uh for coming on our show today we're gonna like i said we're gonna get into your business today we're gonna talk a lot about what you're doing but first of all just thank you for gracing our presence today
0: Thank you, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, shout out to Dr. Nidarko Also, he he inspired me as well uh, to do entrepreneurial and podcasting. So,
1: so be- before we begin a little bit, let's let's kind of you know give give the audience a little bit about you know who Dr. Belva is, right? And you know, again, in any greedy more of obviously, you know, you can you know do a couple sentences on the healthcare related standpoint, but more importantly, people want to know who is Dr. Belva, the businesswoman, right? Like, let's let's talk a little bit about that
0: before we get into your business. Sure, sure, sure. So hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here again and to meet your audience. I'm Dr. Melva Pinbingham and I'm a board-certified radiation oncologist. I'm a wife, mother of three, serial entrepreneur and investor, and I help top uh, healthcare professionals and other top income earners create multiple streams of income because I, I got to this place in my life where I realized my wealth portfolio wasn't diversified. It, it dealt, you know, it, it was very heavily on my high income paying job as a physician. And throughout my career, my husband and I really have been entrepreneurs for our lifetime, but we have looked at creating multiple streams of income. So that's how we help other people do that with the strategy, the background, the wisdom and the support. So, so. Hey there, it's Dr. Melva, and I really hope that you're enjoying the show. I just wanted to take a quick break to give you a personal invitation to the 1% code masterclass. It starts on August 23rd. I'm super excited to be hosting this two-day event where we will talk everything, the 1% code, and I will teach you how to take your six-figure income and leverage that into a seven-figure network. We'll talk about how to manage risk, Career constraints, time constraints, how to turn your job into a hobby, and so much more. I hope that you choose to join me. You can do so by going to the registration page at drmelva.com forward slash masterclass. Again, that's drmelva.com, doctor spelled out, D O C T O R forward slash masterclass. I hope to see you there. Okay, let's get back to this episode. So
1: I want to kind of talk about, get us this
0: from the beginning.
1: Right. And, you know, I, I heard, I heard your, um, your interview on the don't, don't,
0: don't
1: and, you know, so I, I definitely want to kind of get into kind of nitty gritty of really what makes a physician kind of want to go into this space in the first place. Right. Because like you, I, you kind of mentioned our typical day jobs, quote unquote, pay us very well. Um, so it usually takes a lot of extra work, right, to kind of do things on the side, right, and make really a, a viable living from it, right. So let's take us from the beginning. Like, what was the kind of the motivation, kind of those first steps? I say, you know what, this is the direction I kind of want to go in from a uh, path related standpoint,
0: right. So, gosh, if I take it back, I my entrepreneurial kind of dreams, I think, started before I was officially an MD. So I think it's a little different than some other physicians. So. Gosh, from eBay. We sold on Amazon. Like, we got, I don't know if you remember the show NCIS, and I don't want to go to jail for this, but like we imported it from China. And I remember one of the shipments got stuck at the port, and I was like, okay, I'm done. Maybe this isn't legal. We sold like credit repair books back when I was actually in medical school and wow. we did a lot of things online. You know, it's like I saw someone, and this this is how I approach everything. You see a concept and then someone's proven it and then it's like okay how can I add my flavor onto that and can it work and at the time that was that was it was easy and the eBay business actually was I don't know if you've heard of Rugged Warehouse um oh no now now it's like Gabe's but at the time they would have name brand clothes and I think I was in medical school at the time and I was dating my husband who's my now husband and I remember we went and we found like Abercrombie and Fitch or Levi jeans. It was these name brands, and on eBay you could package them up as a wholesale. So we were making like thousands of dollars going to the store, doing what people now you know call like drop shipping on Amazon. Yeah. And it, it didn't have a name. You know, we sold shoes that were um, imported, that were legal, that weren't like copyright my husband had like a, a vendor's license for the corner. So, so these things started very slow. And at first it was, okay, can we do this? Can we make it work with what we're doing? And, you know, can I be a physician or a medical student at the same time? And in undergrad, I tell the story about Mel's Benny donuts. So I think I went to a fair or something and I saw these little donuts They're cake donuts. And the, the company was called little orbits out of Minnesota. And Anyway, I took out a student loan because I had an academic scholarship, so I still had room to take out a student loan. So again, (laughs) I don't want to go to jail for any of these stories, but I took out a student loan and I bought this uh, donut machine and it made a hundred mini dozen donuts an hour. And you could either have cinnamon sugar or powdered sugar. And I was a resident advisor at Duke University. And so I was very close with student affairs. So they gave me permission to do events that I was paid for. So like one of the big ones at Duke basketball, is big, right? So it was Midnight Madness. And we did the senior like night event, paid off the machine, and then looking back, they were like, "Oh wow, we had no idea it was a real donut machine with this wattage in the dorm." I was like, "Well, <laughs> you know, I filled out all the paperwork, but I don't think they expected like a senior Duke to have this huge donut machine." So you know, it started from there, and then we've had like a gardening gift store, like um, it was called Gardening Gazebo. I graduated Duke. I took a year off between undergrad and medical school, and at the time, my mother was going through breast cancer. Um, Treatment, Which is part of the reason that I'm a radiation oncologist in cancer care. Okay. And so I had a job, I couldn't make more than $29,500 with a four year degree from Duke with a biology degree, um, chemistry minor and a neuroscience concentration. I couldn't make more than $30,000 wow. because I didn't have experience. So, um, I worked at a chemical plant and I was doing something. And then on my lunch breaks, I went to the Garden Gazebo store that my husband was running that we owned. And so it was like our first franchise. But anyway, I just have these crazy stories like that. So I don't know if that answers your question. I don't want to. No, 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 it,
1: no, it doesn't. What, what I like is that there wasn't any kind of one either passion project or one kind of segment. You said, you know what? I'm kind of good. You, you were kind of OK kind of going with kind of different avenues, which especially Especially, and you know, especially as physicians, right, we typically don't like to rock the boat very much. Right? Once we kind of have one setting, we just kind of go all in. And, and and sometimes it takes so much to even kind of break the monotony of trying to do something different. But from the beginning, you're like, you oh, know, I'm going to try this, 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 and that. Now, were there, now, was it an issue where, you know, time just kind of happened, you kind of moved on? Where they're like failure stoppages along the way, especially with the donut shop and everything else, like what made you kind of stop doing those things and kind of move on to the next ventures?
0: Right. Well, a lot of those were like forced based on the medical path. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. I didn't mention the flea market, but we also sold at the flea market. And I wrote, I believe it was my medical school essay about the 4am flashlight shopper. So we figured out how to go build community. We make all of our money before like 9am in the morning by selling our products to other vendors. Like you know, I was doing that regional management thing at like 18. And so I wrote that to get into medical school. And when I got into medical school, we sold the donut machine to a gentleman who was building a uh, flea market, which we looked into, but it just wasn't really going to work out like me building my own flea market, going into medical school. That was a little too much. Yes,
1: you so, right. well, that, you kind of you're like you know,
0: hey, you know what?
1: let me not let me not stretch myself yeah, too thin. Over
0: so much in between like anatomy class, like making the donuts. So I think things were forceful based on my career, my position, in you know marriage and childbirth that type of thing. So it was an evolution. So like we sold the machine eventually the shoes, the Amazon, the eBay, a lot of regulations came, things change. You you know how the environment is, things things change and either you change with it or you evolve because it no longer serves you. And so those changes happen and we, we try to step up the sophistication level. So that was at the point when we had access to more money. And this is one of the points that I make with other healthcare professionals is we have opportunities available to us because of our income that other people don't. So when I started with that pure, just intention and hustle and desire to, you know, go out and make things happen, that was different because I had no money. You know, I was making $29,000, which is a blessing to many, but it, it was a limitation for me, especially because it didn't match how much my education costs, right? right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah exactly. <laughs>
0: So it so it was a, a sophistication. I, I'm sorry, I get so excited talking about these things, I forget about some. No,
1: I, you know, reason. Honestly, and, and, and we were talking kind of before the show, uh, I want you, to be, yeah. um, you know, one of the reasons why, like, I, I wanted to Miller on the show, one because I can, I've been, I shadow follow a lot of people. Um, I just do. I just, I just like doing it. And but she was one who, where I was like, wow, like she's doing a lot of things that I love doing. But more importantly, like she has no problem, like being, like, out with it, right? Like, you know, when I when I tell people, like, oh, I do this, this, and that, they're almost, like, shocked because it's not necessarily something that I'm, like, you know, screaming from the rooftops, but, like, you know, I, I turn on the live stream, I get the notification, and they're like, oh, she's going on again, she's going on again, and I'm like, oh, I want to get her on the show because not only does she wants to do it, she actually likes doing it, but she's, like, you know, out and about, and as you can see, you can tell from the passion, um, this is actually fun to talk about. Like, yeah, I'm going to get into a business. This is actually very fun to talk about this aspect of, you know, kind of starting business, building business, making money from said business, like, if and, and while still doing our, and I hate to call it our day job, because it is like our day job as being in the healthcare field.
0: Right, right, right. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. And I'll tell you, you can get burned by just being out there putting it out. But, you know, you were kind of mentioning how, like, you saw me on live, and I was out here, I wasn't afraid to say, hey, look, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, as far as different business ventures or things that I was doing outside of, you know, the norm. And I was saying that can come at a cost where I got to a point in my life that it was, I care more about my happiness, my family's happiness fulfillment than what people are thinking of me. And there were times actually that, you know, things will happen. You'll get, um, I'll never forget one of the first times we shared, we own a commercial building. It's really my husband's project. And I'm along in the, in the background for that, where there are like seven apartments up top there's a restaurant where um, he's building out to open his own restaurant and then an event rental space. And it's at oh, the shipyard. Nice. So it was one of our cool purchases. And like, when we were first negotiating it, we just moved back to Virginia this about six years ago and we're doing a Facebook live and I had so much interaction, so many people on there. And they were like, congratulations. We're so proud of you. And, you know, I had so many conversations after that, but it was also like these, I don't know. One of my friends who's uh, I don't know. She, she's very spiritual. And she's like, I see these eyes. I see these eyes watching you. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're kind of scaring me. And, you know, she was like, don't show the address of the building. And, you know, she talked about jealousy and what happens when you Uh-oh. do well. And right around that time, we actually had some theft happen to us. And it was something that we didn't notice. It was someone we knew personally who now we, we, we've like, you know, repaired things because I believe in forgiveness. But that was happening when we were showcasing this. And when Mm -hmm. something like that happens to you, you get self-doubt. You start to self-sabotage because you don't want to be out there doing well. And I think I I just think it's an important point to share that yes, I'm out there and yes, I encourage other people to be there, but I know the fear that a lot of especially physicians have is, well, what happens if you know my job finds out that I do this? Or you know, what happens if someone thinks I'm boasting about money? And really that's not what it is. It's for me, I've always been there to inspire other people because it's been important to share my failures just as much as my successes. And I probably share the failures more than the successes that I have because I don't even mention all of them. (laughs) So that's a roundabout way to answer your question. (laughs) So have you learned anything new yet? Have you heard a story that's inspired you? I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast so far. If you haven't already checked out Dr. Pierre's podcast, head on over to drbarrypierre.com and subscribe to the Lunch and Learn podcast.
1: What's interesting had, and typically, especially when people are kind of getting ready to get into this mindset or even go into the entrepreneurial mindset, because uh, it didn't sound like you had many, I guess, mentors right in the kind of the beginning right to say like, "Oh, you should do this and that." you just kind of went ahead and did it. Now did you was that something kind of purposeful that you were like, "No, I'm just going to kind of like, I know this, I know what I want to do, I, I know what I, what feels right, and I'm just going to go?" Or, you know, was it like, you know, maybe I should kind of, you know, get some type of guidance to say, like, what is the direction for us? Like, what what, what was your kind of lead, especially when you're kind of moving outside of, you know, kind of doing what, what we consider? And I hate to say we even consider it the norm, but just outside of just medicine in general.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a huge proponent of mentorship, masterminding, you know, coaching. I think at the time I've always had a lot of mentors and influential people in my life. So I remember actually in elementary school, so we had, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and we had um, minority achievement programs. So it was like MAP and it was like academically gifted programs and minority achievement programs. And in those programs, one of our career days was actually on entrepreneurship. And at the time I didn't understand it. I didn't know it. My father's a physician, my mother's an educator. So I wasn't really around entrepreneurship, but they planted those seeds at a very young age. So I think I probably had subconscious and people in my community that were doing things. So while I didn't necessarily have that mentorship, it's almost like you say, the shadowing, you know, or mimicking what you see and that desire was there. So I think I put myself around people that were doing things differently. And then also just honestly, I'm a creative. So I, you know, I'm looking for... I don't know if you're familiar with Odyssey in the Mind, but in the third grade, I won the Renata Fusco Award. And that's basically like the most creative out of thousands of people where they just sit you in a room and they give you these prompts and you have to just go with creativity. And apparently I blew it out the water. Now, wow. that's not as successful for me sometimes in medicine. <laughs> right? But I think it was just this desire like, okay, the seed is planted. This is possible. You know, you can do this. And, and I've always had some type of mentors where, my PhD mentor at Duke university, I studied the zebra finch. So we studied communication for neuroscience and he just, Eric Jarvis, Dr. Jarvis, super smart, intelligent guy. He and his wife, Maria and his word for me, like it drove him crazy in undergrad, everything I was involved in between, you know, sorority community service. And he would just be like, "Focus, Melba, I need you to focus, you know, like, but he had a lot of respect for what what I was able to do, you know, as long as I didn't, you know, damage his million dollar machine slicing bird brains, you know, but I had that type of mentorship that kept me, I guess like that kept me moving forward to my ultimate career goals, which I think is important. And then I had like people in the community to to watch. So then I think when we had the evolution it was more mentorship. Like I sought more mentorship. I wanted like systems, strategies, things that I couldn't just figure out. Because you know, when you get to these like six-figure, seven-figure status, there's a formula. It, it, people aren't just like willy-nilling it. And I think a lot of that just natural passion and desire combined with the right mentorship, that that was the elevation. That was the difference between now I can say we're franchise owners, you know, multi-franchise owners. You know, we're you know high level business coaches. That wouldn't happen with just pure desire. And and if it does, I think that would be difficult to do that with a highly demanding career as an oncologist.
1: Now, I mean that's like I said. We're, we're, and ladies and gentlemen, we're about to, we're really starting in our business in a minute. Um, the question, especially when your your professor kind of mentioned you doing a lot of things. Now, do you feel like you operate better? Right. When you're able to kind of be a franchise owner here, a commercial real estate owner there. Also, to, like, do you feel you operate in a better space when you're kind of doing all those things? Or could you actually, you know, one day say, you know, what, I'm only going to do this one thing and then I'm not going to do anything else. That's something that you can even I, I can tell you me personally. Uh, my, my wife gets on me all the time because she feels like I'm always doing a million things. But like, I almost feel like I can't concentrate if I'm only like focusing over. I know it sounds weird, but like I feel like I'm only here. I,
0: I totally understand. I totally understand that it's like I I'm someone, and maybe like you, I work better under pressure. I work better knowing that I'm moving towards something else, and this isn't like the only thing I'm doing. But I really learned, and, and actually, I talked about this in my group last night. Um, I, I learned about seasons, you know, and I've had to like switch. Okay, I'm going to focus on this for this season. Like, so for example. We own the Coldstone Creamery. We're working on the second Cold Stone Creamery location, and we're in lease negotiation development for the location. And then we're looking at funding, bringing in you know family and friends investors. And so when we first started, we weren't doing expansion. That wasn't the season for Cold Stone. The only focus was to operate in the middle of a COVID pandemic without being shut down, not having employees, you know, or ending up in the hospital while selling ice cream that we knew nothing about, right? Like, like that was the season. That's, that's all we tried to do. And the byproduct of that is that we increased sales by a hundred thousand dollars in the first year. You know, now we're in the sea, huh? It <laughs> was so crazy. Like,
1: like, like. Honestly, I got to ask how, like, how, how did you end up at a Cold Stones uh, owning a, like, how does, like, and again, like I said, lunch in my community, like, is that's why I, I I love, I love just kind of watching and I love watching movies from far. but like, I'm just like interested in like, just that process. Like, how did you get to a Cold Stones? Like, and we're not even talking one, it's about to be two. Like, how did, how did you go there?
0: right so a lot and i mentioned my husband a lot because he is the backbone and he's always the real estate investor he's done that and i'm kind of like the support we're partnerships there so he was actually looking we asked ourselves these questions about how can we expand what what are we missing because we we've saw a lot of people who had done less than what we'd achieved in our you know short 30 plus at the time years of life have higher levels of success and we asked questions like Is it because we've never had to, like we've never been forced to, you know, we've been blessed to have a home, we can pay our bills, you know, maybe we didn't have that same hunger. And then we asked the other questions of, are we in the wrong avenues? You know, are we only in real estate investing and we're not looking at other streams? And so I think he was listening to, I don't know if he was listening to a podcast or he was doing some research and they talked about leverage and they talked about, how you can get another passive stream if you do this kind of management thing. So one night we were just like kicking on a Saturday night and he was like, Hey, the Cold Stone's for sale. And it met, it met the requirements for, you know, a passive stream. And so next thing you know, we were, we were negotiating purchasing and in, in business acquisition. That was the phase. So wow. we didn't build it from the ground up, Love it. but, wow. but, but that happened because of that environment and because of being able to you know my husband taking his skill set and his abilities he's he's an introvert so i'm the extrovert and he's the introvert very like wise and calm and he always describes himself as a chameleon because he has smarts in a lot of different areas and we attract different type of people and honestly when they see the two of us together they're just like oh my god like <laughs> like so you're the doctor and you're you're the real estate investor and you do this and y'all do this together and i remember being on this uh, real estate show we we were on a bus tour And they made a lot of money out of us at the time. That's a whole other story. We didn't realize we were like signing our rights away while they were selling these forty thousand dollars bus tour tickets based on our story. Oh wow! But actually, like this might be too personal. But I shipped breast milk to him because I was training and he was doing a real estate investment project. I trained in California and he was doing a project in Virginia. And so we talked about how we just made it work.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a ooh that's a distance.
0: Okay. Yeah, that was a distance, but like that was important to me at at the time. And so. That's how we came about it because we were open and, and we were aware. We were able to look and say, okay, we have access to this money. How are we using it? Yes. We have positioning because you're a physician. We have flexibility because at the time he was a real estate investor and a stay-at-home father. So it, we just we just asked because we saw people that had less than us doing much better than us. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a real sobering thing to say, how do we change the game? What, what are we missing? All right. So you have to join us next week because we're going to answer the question that many of you have. Do we need a degree? Do we have to have a certificate to add an additional passive income stream, to start coaching, to do other businesses? We're going to talk all about that in the next episode. So please join us next week for part two. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the 1% code podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating. And I would love your five-star review to catch all the latest from me. You can follow me on all social media channels at Dr. Spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-M-E-L-V-A at Dr. Mova. And I want to make sure that you and anyone else, you know, that would benefit from the 1% code podcast is a member of my private community on Facebook, the 1% code collective. I would love for you to join me there link in the bio. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.